So earlier this morning, uh, Spencer decided to post a new TikTok on our Big Drive Energy TikTok page, a uh, whole of the day from Phoenix Country Club, and he decided to post a video of me one knee down in the grass, peeing along the side of the road on the golf course. So thank you for that, Spencer. Go check out that TikTok. Not flattering. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> Although it was not flattering, it had to be done, brother. Um, welcome into Big Drive Energy. I am your host at Big Drive Spence, along with my brother, playing partner and friend at Big Drive Mitch. What's up, dude? How you doing? How's this last uh, week or so been? I know we're, we're in Colorado right now. Obviously, that's where we live. And it's currently fucking zero degrees. Like, it is freezing. Not, not like, cold. It's it's like we moved to Minnesota. Yeah, it's Midwest cold for sure. Um, I was up in Blackhawk last night playing a lot of craps. I got scraped at the tables. Thank you, Blackhawk. Uh, thank you to the lodge. Um, it was not a good experience overall. Then I thought I got um, money stolen from me by the ATM, and that was also a, a real treat. What happened? <laughs> well, long story short, I think the I was supposed to get cash from the ATM, and it just gave me a ticket, but no cash came out. So then I shredded the ticket before it even got the chance to dispense any cash. Um, so then I assumed, since no cash was coming out, that the ticket was the cash like to take to the cashier. Uh, so then I proceed to dig through a gnarly trash can in Blackhawk. And if you can imagine what a casino trash can looks like, like the gross shit people do in casinos, it was alarming. And I do, it's something I'm not proud of. If it was, it was all just be real is 250 bucks. And I wasn't just going to literally throw 250 bucks in the trash. So I went digging uh, I think I got what seemed to be like a, a wet cigarette, like the remnants of that. On my, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was. I would have been immediately out. I was. Two fifty's not worth it. I was repulsed. Yeah, I was not. Um, I wasn't super stoked about it. But what are you gonna do? You know, you throw money in the trash. You got to go get it. Turns out uh, the ATM fucked up, so we didn't even. I didn't even need to do that, which equally pissed me off because if I would have known that I wouldn't have to dig through the trash. Um, and then the roads were absolute shit getting back to your weather point. Um, I was slightly hung over this morning. I was on the table still almost 2 AM. And then we had to get up at like eight 30. I'm on like six hours of sleep and I am driving down the mountain. It's snowing. The roads are shit. I'm shaking like a leaf from all the Tito's still in my system. And 
Greg Gomez, our good buddy, is sitting in the passenger seat, just like probably clinching, like freaking out a little bit because the a little tight. See, well, the and the other seat. thing too is, is does it make you uncomfortable to ride in the passenger seat when the weather's inclement? Like, do you just generally feel like you have more control in the driver's seat? Because I definitely do. Yeah, I feel like when you're in the passenger seat, you you feel you can feel like you're sliding or cr- mentally create the fact that you're sliding and you're really not. So yeah, I, um, well, I agree with that, but we have to also say that, uh, you, if you had a personal driver, you'd be completely fine. Like Spencer does not even talk in the car. He just sits on his phone the whole time. So he doesn't really know what it, it, we could get run over by an elephant in the car and he wouldn't see it coming. (laughs) Like he would have no idea. So kind of a dumb question to ask him, but no, that's very true though. When I, the reason I don't like driving, I mean, I'll, I'll drive, that's fine, but I'd rather have other people drive because usually there's a lot of shit I can be taken care of while I'm, while we're in the car. And especially if that's a longer car trip, I'd rather not be bolstered to the driver's seat and have to pay attention to the road the whole time. I'd rather I don't think that's the proper way to use the word bolster, but go for it. I'd rather be stuck in the <laughs> Passenger I'd seat stuck than in the, the passenger seat than bolstered in the driver's seat. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm using it. Okay, whatever. Well, yeah. So, anyways, made it down the mountain. I was like shaking, like for more reasons than one. But we made it back, and it is still about zero degrees here in Denver. Maybe between zero and ten. Either it doesn't really matter at that point. Uh, no matter how you slice it, it's fucking cold out. So, it is the dog days of winter right now. It really is. It's very, very cold. It's actually supposed to warm up, though. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Spencer over here is getting married on Saturday. Ooh, ooh. Ow, ow. Uh, I think I'm more nervous than he is. I've got to give the best man speech. And I feel like there's been a lot of, like... S- talk about speeches randomly that in like in my life for some reason so it just makes me think about it more and it makes me really oh also the fact that i don't have my suit yet and it is uh three days three <laughs> days before the wedding uh, hey, um, plenty of time plenty so of time. i i'm just like crumbling inside mentally i just I, i'm not doing well uh honestly i just need this shit to be over with i got other things i need to do spencer's wedding's really putting a glitch in my plans here uh but well, no, let's talk about it, your it, suit real quick let's uh, <laughs> let's get into this story because i think it's a good one it's worth it well basically i ordered in december i it's it's my fault hand up i fucked up jim calhoun style i fucked up uh, i didn't email them back i didn't get it for two months didn't email them because I asked, well, and to be fair, I'm not going to blame Kylie. No, but... But so, she told me I was going to get it two weeks before the wedding. Yeah, that's... So that's so why I didn't reach out. That's how this company works is you order your suit. Uh, it's called the Black Tux, free plug for them. Um, but you can order... You order suits and then you... They ship them out to you about two weeks before the wedding. And then if nothing fits or something Which doesn't... Which didn't, of course. <laughs> something doesn't fit, you send it back to them and they... Uh, immediately ship you a replacement version of what you got. So, for instance, I got my (laughs) suit shipped. That's a tongue twister. That is a tongue twister. That's a good one. I got my suit shipped uh, a couple weeks ago, tried it on. For some reason, I don't know if I was drunk when I ordered the suit or if it just came this way and they fucked it up, but I got a medium jacket, you know, medium pants, normals, 32, 32, or whatever I got. But my vest that goes over my shirt, obviously under my jacket, was a small. I don't think 
I ordered a small, but I'll just take the blame for this one. That's what we do. We're, you know, we're in the golf business. We're in the customer we service it. business. We take the heat for people messing up other things. So I'm going to take the heat and say I ordered a small. But I immediately got on their website, emailed them, and they shipped me a medium within two days, and it fits like gloves. So what perfect. a story. But going on to the rest of Mitchell's suit story. Yeah, so then I just uh, – eventually – I reached back out to them, and Spencer also reached back out to them and was like, hey, um, what's going on with the whole suit situation? And they're like, oh, it's just lost. And they told me they shipped it, like, December 8th. I kid you not. I, I have the receipts. And it just got lost in cyberspace. Who knows where it is? So then they shipped me another one. It didn't fit. So now I'm waiting on my replacement, and it is three days. It shipped yesterday. Hopefully uh, FedEx gets their shit in gear. And I get my suit because otherwise I'm going to look like even more of an idiot at the wedding than I already planned on. So other than that, I'm actually really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. But just the whole family, your our entire family being around is going to be stressful because it's just a stressful thing, you know, dealing with all your family. It's they're your cousins. Actually, our cousins are awesome. It's not our cousins. It's our I won't even say any names, but just some <laughs> other members of the family that are a little bit stressful. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to try my best to, I'm going to make it about you, dude. I'm really going to focus oh, on you. What a guy. All eyes on you. What a guy. We did have a little talk about his speech earlier. And if you guys know and listen to this podcast, Mitchell's an outgoing, funny dude. And I was like, dude, don't like without putting pressure on you, like I'm not trying to put pressure on you, but don't, don't ruin this in uh, terms of. Like, A, getting too drunk, which I doubt will happen, but it could. If you've hung out with us if before, you know, me. It, you know that that could happen. So don't don't start slurring over your words in my best man speech to me. Um, to me. And also, do not, like, make it, like, 30 seconds. Like, that will be so lame. Like, I, I was sending out a text to him, and it took me longer than 30 seconds to send the, the text than it would a speech. Because he's like, oh, I'll make it 30 to 45 seconds quick, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, dude. You have to have your personality in there. That's the point. That's why people will like it. I'll slip in a little bit of personality, just just a little bit, uh, just the tip. But I I just don't feel the need to give a big drawn out speech. Like that's, I what do you want to talk about? Like when we wrestled when we were like <laughs> in third and fourth grade, and <laughs> we're just so fucked up as little kids. Like what? It, I don't think everybody needs to hear that. And plus, the other stories that I could tell that are funny involves us being degenerates. So I don't think our entire extended family necessarily needs to hear about that either. So I'm not really going the story route. And I hope that's okay with you. But I just really kind of want to get it over with. And then I can kind of like lean into the liquor if that's, you know what I mean? It's an open bar. Yeah, it's an open bar for everybody except for you. I bought Spencer enough drinks over my lifetime. He owes me a few. <laughs> well, you'll get plenty of those um, on Saturday. So. Yahoo. All right, should we uh, maybe hop into a little bit of golf talk? Let's, is this let's, a golf podcast? I think is we're a, a drink, golf podcast. Drinking podcast with a golf problem. There you go. Well, I think our, our tagline. So, <laughs> But we will get into the problem that we have with golf currently. Um, <laughs> not really a problem, but one there's of the There's a few problems going on in golf. There's quite a few problems and quite a lot to talk about today, to be honest. Good for so, us. <laughs> good for us and good for golf. Um, let's talk with, uh, start with. Let's talk, stock. Let's talk Did with, you say stock? Let's stock with. Uh, Joaquin Neiman 
uh, Genesis Invitational this past weekend. Uh, one of the things I didn't know, and this may be something that you know because you're just like kind of more in, in tune with professional golf world, is I didn't realize how prestigious and like good of a golf course the Riviera is. Like, oh, on yeah. tour. Like, it just, the Genesis Invitational, and eh, you know, it's it, after checking in, I mean, it's got a huge payout. Yeah, like its purse is over twelve million dollars, and the and the tournaments sandwiching it are around eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, Joaquin Neiman, who won, we'll get into that, won over two point one six million, which is a lot of money. Even That's second wild. place was one point three million. Holy shit! Which ended up being a tie between Colin Morikawa and Cameron Young. So they split and made basically right around a million apiece. Uh, after splitting second and third place into one second place payout, but yeah, I didn't realize how like prestigious the rib is. Like, I didn't, I didn't get that. Like, it's there was you know looking at Twitter and looking at watching the tournament and hearing the announcers talk about it. There, it's the Riviera is a pretty pretty Riviera high, Country Club. Yeah, I mean, maybe, it was, they, it was, I even heard it's the highest level country club outside of a major every year. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, and I think. I mean, it's definitely got the history because Ben Hogan, that was one of his, or is it? Yeah, I think it was Ben Hogan. Uh, it was his fa- one of his favorite golf courses in the world. And I think Hogan's a Texas guy, but it was like outside of Texas, that was one of his favorite tracks to play. And it's not surprising because if you, did you, you watched it, correct? Yeah, I, mean, I watched a lot stu- of it. Stupid Shout question. Out, like I've, I've said it multiple times, but like I'm not working a ton right now. And like Thursday mornings and Friday mornings, like I was talking to Mitchell before we got on the pod here and tomorrow morning in Colorado, golf coverage on ESPN plus starts at a ripe 445 in the morning. That's now, wild. I'm not going to be listening to it and watching it at 445 in the morning, but there's something about these Thursday mornings where I've had the last few off and I can get up and instead of like normal waiting till 1 p.m., Till golf channel coverage comes on, half the guys are already fucking done. You can get on and watch from the first. So at four forty-five a.m., the first scheduled tee time, Mountain Time Zone tomorrow is four fifty, six fifty Florida time. We are now on the the Florida swing of the PGA Tour. We've moved out of the Arizonas and the Californias, and um, into the Honda Classic, which we'll get to at the end of this. But yeah, the the golf coverage has been insane. So it's been night. It's been cool to watch, and and I think. You know, we might as well just jump into what Joaquin Neiman did. Unbelievable! It, it was so he had a through fifty four holes, the lowest score at the at Riviera Country Club ever uh, in a in a professional golf tournament. He went eight under, uh, eight under, so sixty four six or excuse me, sixty three, sixty three because it's a par seventy one, and then sixty eight, and then finally he came back to earth and shot even par the last day to still win by two strokes. But I think. What was crazy about his performance is he had a, a, a sizable lead, right? Yeah. Uh, going into Saturday, just the weekend. And we had a couple guys that we bet on, and we'll get that out of the way first before we slob on walking Neiman a little bit more. But um, we had – so we had Justin Thomas and Xander Schauffele to win it. They finished at 13 under and 9 under, so 6th place and 13th place. Not, Not bad. bad. No. Yeah. Not bad at all. And, and considering what the Riv has played to the last couple of years – 13 under, and Justin Thomas started Sunday. Uh, he had a great Friday, Saturday, or Thursday, Friday, excuse me. Saturday, Sunday, shot one under both days. I'm not talking shit about it. I'm not sitting here acting like that's horrible. It's pretty good. Especially yeah, you're for, just not making up a lot of you, 
ground ground on exactly the field. and and we had him uh to win it and then we also had max homa to win it which i knew i should have just picked him top 10 um of course better's remorse we can have it every week every day every bet you hit every bet you place but uh max homa was plus 5,000 to win the tournament and i want to say right around plus five or six plus hundred six five wow Five or six hundred or more. That's the, Plus five or six hundred. Gram, grammar wise, but I for don't the know. top ten. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I know he was five thousand to win the tournament. Took him to win it. He ends up finishing tied for tenth at ten under. Um, like I said, Mitchell Xander Schauffele pick tied thirteen, and then we had Jordan Spieth who looked really good Thursday. This one's a kick in the dick <laughs> because he was after the morning round, the morning wave on Thursday. He was the leader. And then, of course, Joaquin Neiman goes out and fires 63, so he wasn't the leader anymore. He's back by three strokes, but five under in the first day at Riviera, you're thinking, unless he just absolutely, you know, what's himself, the the next three days, he's going to be, yeah, be around the top 10. <laughs> top 10 ended up being 10 under, so he would have just had to go 2-2-1, two, 1-2-2, two, 2-1-2. One, one, two, two, yeah, two, one, two. but and, that's, that's why they play for four days, because... A good Thursday, we've said a million times, you can you can't win a tournament on a Thursday, but you can lose it. Exactly. And so he was right there after round one and proceeded to do what he's been doing the last few years, besides a, a few little blips here and there. But and um, and he ends up so he ends up after even round two, he was nine under, and we're licking our chops. Yeah. We're so like, he's right, one out of 10, mm-hmm. yeah. This top ten like leader is at cash it out. Neiman was at sixteen, which was incredible. Uh, and then Cameron Young was at like 13, and then everybody else was basically 10 or 9. And you're like, okay, yeah, Jordan Spieth's got this in the bag. He proceeds to go weekend 73-2 over and 72-1 over. Yeah, and, and honestly, that place will do that to you because the f- we, we really didn't talk too much about the actual golf course itself. But Riviera is it, – it's not a big course because it's in basically L.A., um, Pacific Palisades, I want to say is what it is. But – they have very limited real estate. Obviously, it was created. Um, will you see what your Riviera was built? Possibly. Yes, we'll figure stats we'll find guy that out. Stats guy. Um, I bet it was kid. built probably in the forties, maybe the thirties. And back then, that was a a pretty good chunk of land. But now it's it's become too. I wouldn't call it too small. It's still proper length, but there is a few holes out there that do play. Fairly short. 1926. 26. Wow. That is coming up on 100 years. It's 96 years old. Wow. Okay. So very old golf course. Very, uh, very old school looking just because of how narrow it is to the point where Victor Hovland, um, one of the holes on the back nine, I forget, but he was literally aiming in the other fairway to try to give himself the angle, a better angle into a green. Um, it was either like six and he was aiming at 13 or I can't remember the exact holes, but he was aiming a fairway over to give himself the better angle because otherwise he was going to have to, it's a slight dog leg left and there's really big trees out there. Um, oak trees, things like that. So if you're not working the ball left to right on that hole, you're probably going to either get closed out from hitting the green or you're going to pull it left into more trees as opposed to aiming where Victor was aiming and you blow it right into the next fairway on the back nine or whatever, and you actually have a pretty wide open approach to the green. So that gives you an idea of how uh, compact that course is, relatively speaking. Like there's maybe 
40 or 50 yards of rough between fairways. And for a PGA Tour event, like, you don't see that that often. You know, they usually play more expansive, big championship-style courses. So Riviera has to get its teeth elsewhere. And it's not short, short, but it's it's known for being very firm, which it played this week. Um, and the greens are very firm and fast. And the, the green undulations and the green complexes are also very unique. Um, and, and honestly, it, the rough used to be a lot more penal than it was this week. The rough was not very penal whatsoever. And I think that was kind of the difference in scores from this year and years past. Because the greens get so firm out there, if you grow the rough, you can't land a ball on the green. You can hardly even land it short and stop it on the green. And, and then there's some really well-placed bunkers out there to the point where there isn't a lot of room for you to run shots up the neck of the, the fairway into the green. You know what I mean? There's a lot of uh, bunkers right in front of the green, well-placed. Uh, like I'm trying to think. what is? I think it's hole number three. That par three is like one of the toughest holes I've ever seen. It's like 235. Looks like it's always playing into the fan. I'd be hitting three wood probably, um, thanks sea level. And I probably wouldn't be able to stop it on the green unless I hit some high towering fade. So it, it is one of the more challenging courses for not being huge, you know, distance-wise. So, I But I, what I will say is if you watched any of it this weekend, you saw how far drives were rolling out, and that was a huge advantage for Joaquin Neiman because he – Spencer, have you ever seen his ball flight? I have not. Off the tee? It's pretty low. I'm not shitting you. He could hit a driver like 170 ball speed, probably 10 or 15 feet off the ground. Like he just hits these little fucking laser beams and they're not little, but they, they're, they're not high. Like, so he was probably getting 60, 70, 80 yards of release on those drives. And that's unbelievable. Think about that's what five clubs different. Um, I hit a pitching wedge one for, yeah, yeah, it's about a five-club difference if it's playing soft. I mean, say it rolls 10 or 20 yards, four clubs. Uh, so it makes a huge difference when it's that firm uh, to keep it in the fairway so you can get all that roll. Um, but, yeah, Joaquin Neiman just really put it all together this week, and it was fun because he's one of those dudes that's u- uber-talented, ultra-talented. Uh, is he 21 or 22? 23. 23, okay. 23 years old. Well, because he's been out on kind of tour for like four or five years now. He turned pro, I think, when he was 18. So he feels like a bit of a familiar From face. From Chile. He's a spicy Ch- Chilean. Ch- what is he, Santiago? Chile? I, I have no clue. Oh, you just oh you just knew that off the top of your head. I, I just know he's from Chile. That's yeah, it. he is Chilean. Um, Chilean sea bass. Fire. Anywho, uh but yeah, just really happy for him. It's his second win out on tour, and he seems like a real Santiago Chile. You were right. Wow, six feet tall, one hundred and fifty-four pounds. That is a small man. That's like my left leg, except for the height part, <laughs> just the weight. Um, but yeah, he doesn't seem like a super cocky dude to me. He seems like he's fairly understated. He doesn't really get too excited out there. He stays pretty even keel. And he just went out and, and dominated even when he started getting pushed on Sunday. And like like we were saying, he shot even par Sunday, so he didn't do anything spectacular Sunday. But when you play that well the first three days where you can literally shoot even par and let the field try to catch you and they still can't, then that just means you played out of your mind good the first three days. So 
Uh, really happy for him, man. I think he is. He's going to be one of those guys that's a superstar. I think he will in a major eventually, if not multiple. And uh, I, I, it's it, it's just fun to watch. He's a talent. Yeah. Well, like you were talking about with the drives rolling out as much as they did. I've never played Riviera. I really want to now after watching it on TV. But we're never getting out there. Probably not. But the first hole is a par five. It's one of the most scenic holes. It's one of the most like scene. Uh, it's just iconic, iconic yes. holes, iconic holes on the PGA Tour. It's par five, super down the hill. Like I remember playing the Tiger Woods video game, and like you'd play Riviera and you just bomb a drive. And I don't think out of watching it, every every single one of the swings I made, I saw uh, somebody teeing off a number one. They were not hitting driver. Which is insane. On a par five on the PGA Tour to not hit driver and not even have a chance to necessarily, these guys were doing it. They were hitting hybrid. They were hitting three wood. And there was still a ton of eagles made at number one because it's that short of a par four or par five. And then it was funny because, so number one's a par five and obviously should be in the world of the golfer's eyes a tougher hole than a par four. Yeah, I believe number one had a lower scoring average than number, number two, two did, which is a par four. Yeah, and that's a it is a challenging par four. Um, but yeah, number one realistically, so it plays five oh three from the back tee, but it's it probably plays about fifteen to twenty down, and then you got to think how firm those fairways are. Like you're hypothetically you're four eighty, and the only thing that really stops these guys from having a a short iron or a wedge in there is the barranca that cuts in between the, the, the fairways kind of split horizontally where there is a, a cutout of rough that you don't necessarily want to get into because then you can't stop the ball on the green. But I think there is even some guys that can carry that or get close to carrying it, which is insane. But if they're hitting three wood, they probably still only have like a mid iron in. Uh, it's insane. I think I saw some guys hit like hybrid long iron on a par five. So it's it's more, and I saw some people actually discussing it on Twitter, like why do they still play it as a par five? And it's more just tradition. And realistically, that's the beauty of golf too, is it's when you're playing in a tournament, it's against the field. So it doesn't matter. It could play as a par 10, you know, and if everybody makes four, it, you could everybody's minus six there, you know? So it doesn't matter what it plays as uh, relative to par. You don't win any extra money for shooting lower under par it's just about the principle of it is always played as a five and it's still being played as a five um i will also mention hole number 10 at riviera is insane i think we probably talked about it last year around this time after the tournament but i'll mention it again because do you remember the playoff last year with homa and um i can't remember who else is in the playoff but it is one of the hardest drivable par fours in the world with that green that is near. Like, I think I'm wider than that green is. I, if like I were to, uh, from hip to hip. Yeah. From hip to hip, I'm wider than that green is deep and it runs off into bunkers on all sides. It's almost impossible to stop a bunker shot actually on the green. So that's another super iconic hole. And if they would have gone into a playoff, that's, I think they started. Or do they start at 18 and then go to 10 at Riviera? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Uh, 
but yeah, really, really good golf course. A lot of fun to watch. And Joaquin just showed out, man. Those first three days were something else. Yeah, he was just incredible the whole week. And uh, unfortunately, if we would have had him in our Big Bad Energy picks, it would have been a lot more fun, of course. But, like, he never gave anybody a chance. That's what kind of sucked. Like, he, Cameron Young had a phenomenal week. A guy that shot 17 under, finished tied for second with Colin Morikawa, who we'll talk about here in a second. Funny moment after the golf tournament. But uh, they they weren't even talked about because he was so far ahead. And he only won by two strokes. So it actually got kind of close. Well, and, and Hovland did give him a little bit of a scare there in the middle. But, dude, Hovland just couldn't make any putts. He was giving himself chance after chance, and they weren't really, really good chances, but if he would have knocked in a few 10, 12, 15-footers, he would have been right there too. So, I mean, and that's the real, beauty of golf is those got to go in. Real quick, it was Max Homa and Tony Finau last Oh, year. Tony, yeah. Tony Finau shot 64 on Sunday to tie the tournament. That is insane. The king of the top five, Tony Finau. Um, whatever. So, yeah, the like middle of the front nine, kind of later on the front nine, last group, Guys were kind of giving him a bit of a push, and that's the tough thing, I think. I mean, I've never personally been in this position in a professional event because I was never that good, but you got to imagine coming, like, getting kind of in the meteor round uh, when you're leading, and it's the fourth round, and if you're the leader and you're not making a move, you you feel like you're losing ground for sure, but then the heat just gets stronger and stronger and you you really got to be careful to not force something be like okay i gotta make a birdie i gotta get on track because for example like we just talked about neiman shot even par on sunday won the tournament by two so you don't necessarily need to press but i think that's kind of a sign that he's wise beyond his years is that he can he can have an even par round and grind it out and make those clutch five to ten footers and and not just it's so easy when you're playing poorly to let an even par round turn into a 75 or a 76. We know what that's all about, right? Um, but to really work your ass off that day and to somehow put together a score when you don't have your best stuff, that's like the true test of a, a really good golfer and a, a seasoned professional. So he uh, he definitely showed a lot this weekend. I was impressed. Yeah, and before we move on real quick, why don't you get into a little uh... – We'll go swing analytics with Big Drive Mitch. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Joaquin Neiman's swing because, let's face it, it's different. If you watched the tournament at all or saw any of the highlights afterwards, definitely a different golf swing. And so talk a little bit about what everyone would call like the dip. And who else on tour or maybe the greatest golfer ever has about the same move? Yeah, um, so Joaquin Neiman... The re- well, so he has a quite a large dip in transition where his, his head and everything actually lowers. Um, and what that really is, is in transition from the top of your backswing, when you're loaded up onto your right heel and you make that full turn back, the squatting position that he gets into when his shaft is like last parallel to the ground in his downswing, um, that's a, a clear sign of a heavy weight transition because think about it. If you're all your weights on your right side 
unless you literally jump over onto your left foot, how else are you going to transition the majority of your weight from your right side to your left side? You're going to have to like kind of drop down into a squatting position. You can't just stand up, you know, technically you could, but I digress. Uh, so the squatting position he gets into is caused by the transition from the top of his backswing down into impact because he's he's pushing so hard to get over to that left side to ultimately get his weight into that left heel and so he can rotate. Um, but then the crazy thing is, is we've seen golfers dip like this before, like where their head comes down. It's a, not everybody stays right up in their posture. Sometimes there is a bit of a dip there. And like Spencer said, Tiger Woods did the same thing. But the big difference is, is and, and it's the most alarming thing to the naked eye, <coughs> is Neiman's right side bend at impact. Like, I, I actually try, I was trying to show somebody what he does, and I hurt myself. Like, I, <laughs> I couldn't even get near the position. stretch out, just making I, the move. I needed to do, like, a 15-minute yoga session before I tried to, to show somebody what he was doing. Because his spine, and it's partially because of my scoliosis, not going to make excuses here, but his spine probably tilts, I want to say, like, 30 to 40 degrees uh, to the right from at, at impact. So, say his hips are level at zero. His spine is probably tilted... I would say even maybe even 45 degrees or more. I don't, I'd have to look at it technically to see, but the right side bend he has is so excessive that that's why like nobody's seen a move like his before. Really. I don't think I've ever seen somebody at impact get to the point where he is um, with his head being that far down, his spine being that tilted. So, and, and what that does too is it allows you to rotate and open so you can have those hands really out in front leading the pack versus uh, releasing those wrist angles. And I'm not saying you're pulling the club down at all, but his hands are out in front of the club head because he's rotating so hard um, that he can produce those really low lining shots. Like he's not, and I'm sure he can hit it high if he wanted to, but it's not even it's not necessary in a lot of places and Riviera is the perfect example like there's really no um force carries off the tee uh there's there's really no reason to hit a high ball it's all about control so I think that definitely gave him a leg up this week and his swing is is super unique and I think that's the cool part but I would definitely not recommend it to your average golfer like I said first of all you're gonna hurt yourself Second of all, it's it's an acquired thing through other happenings in the golf swing. You can't just take that position as a static position and try to recreate that because um, you're probably going to shank it. Because what right side bend ultimately you can't does... can't say that word out loud. I know, my bad. Luckily, we're not playing golf right now or else um, I'd fight you. What all this right side bend does, because he's rotating so hard, technically, if he didn't have that right side bend, his path would be so far to the left that he's actually bending... His right shoulder, his right shoulder is way below his left at impact, um, so he can get the club path closer to zero, where he's not swinging it just straight across the ball, hitting this big fade. So he's actually zeroing out his path by adding that right side bend in, uh, not even in transition, but at impact. You can see 
and I'm doing it. If people could see me trying to do it right now, I'm like my head's tilting. I look like a dog that's looking at a treat. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a, a, a move that can easily be recreated, no doubt. And that's why people call golfers non-athletic. It's not a sport. Bullshit. Watch his swing because it's athletic as hell. And like I said, not everybody can recreate that. But tell me that's not an athletic move at the golf ball. Yeah. Well, and you can just, by looking at him, even though we said he was, what, six foot, 154, still a dude that can make a, an extremely athletic move. And like you said, he's... I believe he's like a hundred and or he's like fifty fifth on tour in driving distance and like a hundred and forty ninth on tour in driving accuracy. But he can go out and win at Riviera because he a it was playing a little more to his liking. But I'm not, I'm going to give him all the credit. He just didn't miss that week. Oh it no, was a, he it watching he got hot just, and I, and it was it's a point where you're watching from. I I I love watching any golf obviously and watching new newish guys win or younger guys win. Um, even I like, you know, I just enjoy watching players put together something. I more enjoy when it's close. So yeah. that's kind of why I didn't love it this weekend mm-hmm. because he just like, you're like, all right, just make he a bogey. boat raced everybody. Right. Yeah, like, off make the a bat. bogey here. And then he just make uh, a bogey and then he'd birdie right behind it. And he's like, okay. And then he'd make a bogey and then he'd, he made like four Eagles and he chipped in for Eagle on 10 yeah. on Sunday, which like, turned the tide huge. Cause he was. I wouldn't say he was trending downward, but yeah, I mean, that was definitely a big momentum shift. Real quick, this thought just crossed my mind. Doesn't he kind of look like he would have the body type to be like a boxer? I think he could low-key be like a featherweight, like dirty boxer. He'd like, be like a v- extreme featherweight. But yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. He like he's just like lanky and he, he looks like he's super cut. Like I don't really necessarily want to admit that I imagine what he would look like shirtless, but here we are. Uh, he just looks like he, and he's, he, he's so dedicated to his gym routine. I think Nick Faldo probably brought it up about 87 times this weekend, but he just seems like the kind of dude that's like an athlete that chose golf. He's not a golfer. You know what I mean? I'm a golfer. I look like a golfer. Uh, I would compliment to you, Spencer. I'd say you're more of an athlete, not a great golfer, but you're an athlete. Oh, God damn. For those of you who don't know, Spencer could dunk going in a good direction. <laughs> Spencer could dunk a basketball at one time. I still can. Really? Give me a warm up, and I can. You're gonna tear your ACL. Maybe, but I'll it, still dunk it. <laughs> Just Spencer's back of his heel touching his kneecap. No, I, I did have some hops, and I did get some athletic. No, you're an athletic but it came dude. Way after like high school, and way after it was important, I was already old. By Were the you time. wearing ankle weights? Were you that tryhard guy? Uh, when what? When you just wanted to dunk, like you weren't doing anything spectacular, you were just trying. Oh to no, dunk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was doing certain things here and there, but mostly just like it's mostly you just gotta want it, dude. Oh yeah, I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying like when you get close enough, you just have to like will yourself. Yeah, in the dude. Air. Like I, I left the. So gym. you're saying I could do that? Not quite. That's not what I'm saying. You're misinterpreting my words. Could Earl Boykins dunk? Yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck, that's insane. Five foot five in the NBA. I'm taller Dunk than Earl City. Boykins, and I can hardly, even at my peak of athleticism, which is relative, uh, I could hardly grab net. Like, that's just the the level of hops is unbelievable. Anywho, doesn't Anywho. doesn't Joaquin Neiman seem like a an, like just an athlete? 
Yeah, he just looks like a guy that even though he he looks like one of those scrawny dudes that shows up to the bar and you're like, oh, I could you talk shit to him and, and then, then he's he got turns like into a fucking complete UFC like, fighter raccoon and yeah, and just like a honey badger and just destroys you. He like walks in with cauliflower ear and you know you don't fuck with that guy. Yeah, the you, second you see that, you never fuck with someone that you see. Has yeah, that. yeah, that's just a big no no, but. I, it, he's the kind of guy where I could see him like lifting and he's just got like veins just shooting out of his arms and like he just looks like he has zero body fat like it's it's wild but I don't really know how he got here um, just an observation he's a young athletic dude respect to him uh, and there we have it I think we've we've uh, given Joaquin the props he deserves for lack of a better <laughs> yeah exactly we even discussed how he looks like a fighter and his body weight and fat and so shout out joaquin neiman uh one other note we did have from the genesis open or genesis invitational at riviera uh pretty funny moment from colin morikawa he got caught um taking picture of his now fiance uh after the golf tournament uh, which is hilarious because he just made over a million dollars. And he's and just still the stereotypical friends. boyfriend. Yeah. Like, take a picture of us. And her and her friends are out there after the tournament getting all jazzed <laughs> up. Like, oh, my boyfriend just won another million dollars. He had a shot of 65 on Sunday, almost took the lead, almost tied for the lead. Uh, and here he is out there with the iPhone 13 taking photos of his girlfriend. So, And it was... Uh, a lot of the ladies on Twitter loved it, of course. He's like, and honey, I haven't good. even signed my card yet. And I'd be like, doing oh my the God, same thing. It's golden hour. It's we- golden hour at the Riv, babe. <laughs> Can't pass up the photo op, babe. Um, but yeah, that was a funny, funny happening. Morikawa is another dude that was right there and just couldn't couldn't make the putts when it mattered. Honestly, he and that has kind of been a knock on his game. He's the best iron player in the game, technically and. Like, that's not even an opinion. That's just a fact. But I have one other fun fact. Um, So Cameron Young, fairly unknown name, and I think we should touch on him a little bit because that dude can absolutely move it. Did you see his swing? Yes. And he's got, like, that Hideki pause, which I thought was, like, very rare considering, um, and I'm not trying to, I, I don't really even know where I'm going with this, but I've only seen that in, like, Asian... Asian tour, Asian based players, because that's more taught over in China, in Japan, in Asia, um, play like places like that. So I've never seen, I've seen it out of like strictly, um, like Asian players. And I'm that's not a stereotype or anything. It's just, that's the way they teach golf over there. And it obviously works. Matsuyama is a major champion, but I've never seen that in an American player before. Um, at that level, I've tried, I've seen my buddies like, Oh, I just got to slow down my backswing. And then they proceed to rip through it and slice it 80 yards or top it because it is a really hard thing to do. It is not an easy, uh, especially when he's swinging it at 120 miles an hour plus to take that backswing at like five miles an hour, almost pause at the top and then just rip on it, you know? So I thought that was really cool. Um, he's a, he went to wake forest. Can you name another dude, uh, somewhat friend of the program or friend's dad of the program? Um, Gary Hallberg. Oh, Gary Hallberg, Wake Forest product. Justin Sternad, Kendall Hinton. um, (laughs) Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates, all. Almost Super Bowl champion. Wake Forest product. Yeah. um, But so, uh, Jesus, talk a lot. 
anywho, so Cameron Young, I was reading up a little bit on him, and he was a three-time All-ACC at Wake Forest, which is damn good because Wake has got a lot of really good uh, golf schools. So I would consider them and the SEC kind of like the premier golf conferences. Well, I guess and the Pac-12 because it's California. But other than that, like he competed a lot, very well in college, and he kind of just burst onto the scene here recently. But I read the article about him, and his dad is a head pro at one of these iconic country clubs, Spencer. Let's let's play. I'll give you a hint and see if you can guess it. Um, it's a Halloween. It's a Halloween themed golf course. Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, his dad's the head pro at Sleepy Hollow. Oh shit! Isn't that pretty dope? And for those of you who don't know, we've talked about Sleepy Hollow before, but Sleepy Hollow is a country club up on the Hudson River, um, about a half hour north uh, northwest of New York City, north northwest. The absolute coolest name of a golf course in, oh, in and America. The, and the maybe logo, in the, world. the logo is like the headless horseman holding like a pumpkin head. It's like the coolest shit you'll ever see. If I go there, I would just buy. I would the merch would be flying. Oh my shows. god, it would be unbelievable. But yeah, so the the fact that his dad like. The article said Cameron Young is a PGA Tour player, but his dad might have an even cooler job than he does. And, like, to be a head pro out there would be just flat-out nuts. I couldn't even imagine it. So that's a pretty cool fun fact. And and it is a challenging course, too. So if he grew up playing out there, then obviously that's where he, get his cho- he gets his chops um, on the golf course because that place is not easy. And it's got the iconic par three, the um, what is it called, the punch bowl, I want to say, where it's just – a big bowl in the middle of the green and the Hudson rivers behind it. And it just looks like the most gorgeous backdrop ever. Like talk about ultimate, uh, golden hour vibes. I was about to say golden shower, gold, <laughs> little <laughs> bit different definition there, buddy. Well, yeah. Jesus Christ. We're, <laughs> okay. We're yeah, going we'll, in the weeds here. We'll keep it. We'll keep it on the rails. Uh, but yeah, the, that golf course looks unbelievable. If you haven't seen it, check it out. But I also think it is cool too. When you, see guys like that, like Justin Thomas and Cameron Young. And it's pretty rare that you get a a dude out on the tour that his dad actually, he grew up with his dad being in that profession. You know what I mean? It's not a a very common thing because if your dad's in that profession, then usually you kind of think golf sucks because that's all you know as a child. Like your dad grew up, like you grew up with your dad being at the golf course morning, 24-7, yeah. All this stuff, never seen him. You're like, ah, oh, fuck this golf course. I hate golf. Exactly. That's exactly where my head was going. But the fact that they took advantage of it and created a, a successful, massive career out of it, I think is really cool too. So fun fact of the day um, from Big Drive Mitch over here. And Cameron Young. I'm in the third maybe, person now. Maybe or maybe not in our picks this week. Ooh. Uh, maybe big dry mitch maybe maybe him with the the third person again he's really getting diving into the sleepy hollow scenario i think it's pretty cool but all right so we'll wrap that up shout out walking neiman colin morikawa instagram boyfriend great week at the riv and we're moving on to the honda class i don't like how many times you've said the riv dude it's just like i'm just trying to be it's like saying cali yeah like Oh, where's the Riv? It's in Cali. I'm just like, trying to be cool, dude. Yeah, I can tell. It's right. bugging me. All right. So uh, next next thing we'll move on to here, and we'll we'll get through this pretty quickly because it's been oversaturated. It's just a lot. I'm going to read the statement just so you guys all have it if you haven't seen it on Golf Channel or any ESPN network. But 
if you guys know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's been a real big topic in the golf world is this, the Saudi Golf League, and they're trying to pry away players from the PGA Tour, which PGA Tour commissioner came out today and said if anyone accepts an invite to that league, they are immediately banned from the PGA Tour. So also putting some pressure on these players. A lot of players have pushed back and uh, given their support for the PGA Tour. Guys like Freddie Couples. Rory McIlroy said a lot of things, which he also plays on the DP World Tour a ton and plays out of the States and not just on the PGA Tour. So PGA Tour has gotten a lot of support from their players and guys that have made millions and millions and millions of dollars in the last 10 to 15 years based off of what they do. But as we know, uh, Phil Mickelson basically, Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau were the two big fish in the Saudi pond. Uh, that they were really trying to hook and get them onto the tour so that they could create name-worthy players that people would want to watch by paying them a ridiculous amount of money. I think Bryson DeChambeau would have made around $135 million just to join the tour. He, it, it sounded like he was all but there. And then kind of backed out last minute. He, was, he took himself out of the, the field at the Riviera, and everybody was like, do you like that, Riviera, not Riv? Thank you. Full-on, forward. Um but he took himself out of the field. Everybody's like, oh, has, has he played his last tournament on the PGA Tour? Blah, blah, blah. And now uh, all these guys are backing up off of their claims. And so Phil Mickelson made some statements, and then he uh, he tweeted out here uh, yesterday. And I think the funny thing was is, uh, I don't know, maybe I, I see it this way because I have my own personal Twitter account, and I never say that I'm tweeting from my own Twitter account. But uh, so Phil Mickelson's tweet is uh, uh, the the con- the basically the the tweet Sheesh. is a statement from Phil Mickelson and then there's a picture his his logo with his name and then a you know and not note stapped luckily um looked like this was printed out on some paper or typed out on some sort of a computer but he says and I'll get through this quickly as I can Although it doesn't look this way now, given my recent comments, my actions throughout this process have always been in the best interest of golf, my peers, sponsors, and fans. Sponsors, by the way, KPMG, the guy you see, the company you see on every single one of his hats, gone. Dumped him. No longer a a a sponsor of Phil Mickelson, uh, current PGA champion, so kind of wild. This is the problem of off-record comments being shared out of context without my consent, but the bigger issue is that I use words I sincerely regret, that it do not reflect my true feelings or intentions. It was reckless. I offended people, and I am deeply sorry for my choice of words. I'm beyond disappointed and will make every effort to self-reflect and learn from this. Golf desperately needs change, and real change is always preceded by disruption. 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 Damn, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be reading this. Too many ranch rider uh, Celsius for me. Plug. Uh, I have always known that criticism would come with exploring anything new. I still chose to put myself at the forefront of this to inspire change, taking the hits publicly to do the work behind the scenes. My experience with LIV golf investments has been very positive. I apologize for anything I said that was taken out of context, basically to calling them like scary ass people. What was the word? Like. Um, what was the yeah, I think that's like something. I, I think of, that's what he said is they're scary ass people. Yeah. The specific people I've worked with are visionaries and have only been supportive. More importantly, they passionately love golf and share my drive to make the game better. They have a clear plan to create an updated and positive experience for everyone, including players, sponsors, network, and fans. I have incredible partners, and these relationships mean so much more to me than contract. May, many have been my most influential mentors, and I consider all lifelong friends. 
The last thing I would ever do is want to compromise them or business in any way, and I have given all of them the option to pause or end their relationship, as I understand it might be necessary given the current circumstances. KPMG, gone. Are I you believe, done yet? I, no, it's shit. long. I believe in these people. I just want to get it out there. I believe in these people and companies and will always be here for them with or without a contract. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and have many have been shared with the public. My intent was to never to hurt anyone, and I'm so sorry to the people I have negatively impacted. This has always been about supporting the players in the game, and I appreciate all the people who have given me benefit of the doubt. Despite my belief that some changes have already been made within the overall discourse, I know I need to be accountable. For the past 31 years, I have lived a very public life and have strived to live up to my own expectations, be the role model fans deserve, and be someone that inspires others. I've worked to compete at the highest level, be available to media, represent my sponsors with integrity, engage with volunteers, and sign every autograph from my incredible fans. I have experienced many successful and rewarding moments that I will always cherish, but I have often failed myself and others too. past 10 years, I've felt the pressure and stress slowly affecting me at a deeper level, playing the victim. Uh, just kidding. I know I have not at my be- been at my best and desperately Holy need some time shit. away to prioritize the ones I love most and work on being the man I want to be. All right, so just quick. I know that took a long time to read. It's a lot, but just even I quit listening. Hopefully, everybody's still on board here. (laughs) If you're still listening, fucking raise your hand up. Yeah, good for you. You deserve a cocktail. I I feel like all of that was important because that was a big old word salad. I heard a whole lot of nothing. But what did you take from that? Nothing. Okay. Well, Well, you tell me what you took from it because I I am not gonna lie. I quit listening. I've read it and it just doesn't seem. Like he's just, it's like two pages of just nothing. Basically, it's a lot of going back on. He realized the hand, he bit the hand that fed him for his entire life. That and fed him a it. fucking full on Thanksgiving dinner dessert, leftovers the whole bit. Like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the crux of the, the issue here is um, Phil Mickelson's one of the highest career earners in PGA Tour history, along with having massive sponsorship deals. Probably the second highest career earner in golf history behind Tiger Woods. And he's how somehow saying that he's he's just trying to help the tour. Like, okay, dude. I mean, sure, valiant effort, but it, it's just to try to cover his ass. Like, I, I just don't. Like, Phil's just an arrogant prick. Let's just, let's just go with that. Um, there's really no two ways about it. And sure, you've had like nice interact. Like people are like, "Oh, I I talked to him once. There's nobody around, but he's still nice." Like he's not Shooter McGavin. He's not gonna like kick your dog and tell your kid he's not gonna sign autographs. But he's arrogant, and he's he's gotten he almost. A lot of people on Twitter are actually saying he thinks he's so much smarter than he is that that's really what gets in the way of what he's doing. And who knows what his intentions were because he went about it so poorly and and so publicly that like when you come out and say that shit in public and write like a tell all whatever and then you're like, oh, things have been made public. Well, no shit. You started it and on top of it, you you basked in the, the limelight of the PGA Tour for the last 20, 25 years. And it's not to say that I don't like Phil Mickelson because I really actually do. He's super fun to watch. He's a great character he's got a good personality but i think he kind of got out of his lane a little bit and when you've got one of the richest guys on tour saying oh i'm just trying to help the tour do its best for the tour all you do is come off as a greedy asshole so i guess i did have something to say about it yeah you're never 
you're usually not a man of little words, so I expected not something. Few, yeah, not a, not a few words, that's for sure. I just had to, um, you know, get you going a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I had to start your engine. Well, so that brings my our tweet of the week up, uh, having to do with Phil Mickelson. So there's a guy named Alan Shipnick. He was a former writer for Golf Digest. Um, Sports it, Illustrated, I think he's what he works for now. Uh, well, no, he doesn't work for any of them. Well, he was also, he recently, like two days ago, resigned from the Fire Pit Collective. Oh, did he resign from Fire Pit? Mm-hmm. No shit. I Still says I, it in his bio. Is that's what, okay, yeah, that's today. what had me fucked up. Um, so he didn't ask Alan. He's like, all right, let's do an Ask Alan because he thinks he's super important. Whatever. Up on his journalistic high horse. Is journalistic a word? I think so. Wow. If not, you just made it one for Good sure. Good on me. Um, anything of note happening in the golf world with this past week? As always, thanks for the questions. And then this one dude, pro golf analyst, has like five followers. Pretty irrelevant. I think his <laughs> avatar is like a random driver club head. That I, it's fairly anonymous, but he goes, rumor has it. I'm sure this guy's got the inside scoop. Uh, rumor has... It was that some players had recently received big bucks for committing to the Saudi Golf League in advance of the launch. But if this whole shit show is collapsing with the likes of uh, Kokrak, Westwood, and crew, uh, would the, these guys have to return their booty, which he means their their money, not their actual booty, even though the Saudis might take their booty eventually. Um, but <laughs> you then know who you get into business with. This response was pretty funny. So this is our tweet of the week. Aaron Scribba. And, Give the handle. Uh, at Eric Scribba. Eric with a C. And S- Skiba. I'm sorry. not. I don't know why. <laughs> there. random R in there. Scribba. No hard um, R's. Sk- <laughs> Skiba. <laughs> E-R-I-C-S-K-I-B-A. Okay. He just goes. Skiba. Probably. Whatever, yeah. Um, but he just goes, tough group to owe money to. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that is fucking the truth. I don't know if there's anyone in the world you'd rather not owe a, a good chunk of money to than the Saudi Arabian blood diamond family. Right. And, and shout out real quick to Chris Bame, our buddy. He's been on the pod. He texts me and goes, you're anal- you're." analyzation of the Saudi golf league was on point and he's obviously being sarcastic and he's like just talking shit to me because I was like, I, I was like, I said, it's a million times. It's not a geographical podcast. He's like, well, that's very clear. So, um, yeah, thanks, Chris. I understand that my takes are, are wild and a little shitty at times. So I, you're not telling me anything. I don't know. All right. All right, so enough of the Phil Mickelson word salad in the Saudi Golf League. It's a fire fest type of situation. Never, it does never, seem very fire fest. Never going to happen. Kind of like that, uh, what was that concert that you, you and your friends were going to go to? That's oh. definitely not going to happen. Well, it's going to happen, but it's, it was everyone my age at the, you know, at the the millennials. like Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Yeah, there was some... Um, rock concert going on. In one day, like you had to pay day, up yeah, front. Yeah, one day concert, you had to pay like 300 plus up front in no Vegas. No refunds. And they have like three stages, but each each artist, I think there was, I, I can't even remember the amount of artists, but they were going like 20 minutes at a time. Like who goes to see artists 20 minutes at a time? It was like 303. Uh, Blink 182, Avenged Sevenfold. I just can't think of them, but yeah. like All those. the old, like Avril Lavigne. I can never say her name. But yeah, it was, it was very fake, and 
I actually, I think, didn't you say the same dude who did Firefest? No, there, there's no way, dude. That guy's, that guy's absolutely. Well, I heard recently that the dude who started or did Firefest was like doing something else similar to what the Firefest was. But anywho, we digress. So go ahead. All right, so now we're going to move on to a little bit of positive news in the golf world, some exciting news that broke today and allowed our, our Cedar Rapids, Iowa man, to kind of take over the news for the morning because everybody's sick of talking about Phil and uh, a little bit over the Joaquin, ne- not over the Joaquin Neiman win, but, like, you're moving on. PGA Tour is very, just like the NFL, it's week to week. Like what have you, you gotta, done for me lately? Yeah, you got to get on, you got to get in, you talk about it Monday, you move on. Same same as the PGA Tour. So, uh, Zach Johnson, once again, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, about 20 minutes from uh, where our whole dad's family and dad grew up. In Drake Cedar University. Falls. Drake uh, University product. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Kale Sorbo, our super producer. Also doing videography at my wedding this weekend. Excited for that. But he is also a Drake University alum. Don't show me those videos, please. Um, he will be the 2023 Ryder Cup captain for the USA. What do you think? I think that's awesome, dude. He's He's been such a beloved staple on tour for so many years. I don't think really anybody has a bad thing to say about the dude. He's when you're from uh, Iowa, dude, you just, yeah, not not many people do. Let's be real. Midwestern people are just about the nicest people on this earth that you can find. And that's why I am so nice, um, is because all of our families from the Midwest. So it's kind of just seeped into my, I'm not hearing any pushback yet. No, I have no pushback. I'm, we yeah. have the same blood. Well, no, I meant like I'm not the nicest person. I was waiting oh, yeah, for you to well, push back on that. If uh, Only I know that, so I'll keep <laughs> that to myself. I'll sign an NDA okay, for that. Okay, yeah, perfect. But yeah, I mean, just a great dude. Uh, like we said, he went to Drake University. He was very, uh, very understated going into the professional golf uh, game. He... I think he played on the old Hooters tour for a while. Love that. Yeah. Love that for him. Love I that wish that him. was still in existence because I would be, that would keep me out on the mini tours. <laughs> I'd keep <laughs> grinding for sponsorship money just to get on the Hooters tour. Oh, 100%. Just who knows what it includes, but it it can't be that bad if it's called the Hooters tour. Anyway, uh, but yeah, just really worked his ass off to get where he is and He's not a big dude. He doesn't hit it a long way. He won a Masters, which is notoriously speaking. Okay, well, so I was gonna. Something. I got a little trivia for you. Oh okay, how many how many golf tournaments? How many PGA Tour events? I should say has Zach Johnson won? I'm gonna guess like 16. Ah, now you're making him look bad. 12. Oh well, that's, that's I mean, a lot. No, but you made him look bad. Oh well, sorry. I thought he had more wins. I. But bottom line, and this could be a whole other topic, I think he's still a golf Hall of Famer. Like, basically, hey, you win a major. He, not- also, he also won the Masters, right? He won one. Did he win one other major? He I won the British away. Open. Where at? Oh, fuck. Was it St. Andrews? Yep. So, okay. All right. Bang, bang, bang. You hit that. But so, bang, bang, British bang. Open or the Open. Yeah, the Open we're Championship. We're politically correct on this podcast. Not really, but... Um, Coming back to St. Andrews this year, Mitchell's played there. We've talked about that a million times. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. But so a Masters champ and the British Open. And so here's here's a little. What's the venue? Can do you have the at, the Ryder at Cup? The Ryder that? Cup. It's in it. It's in Italy. Okay. Um. Let me uh, just filibuster. We're, you're not even going to be able to pronounce it. So it's no. It's actually a super easy name. Really? Yeah. Um. Just keep going. <clears throat> just keep talking. Do while I'm talking. This. <laughs> uh. 
Well, yeah. So I think in how I'm just throwing all these questions at you. You don't have time to do this, but I think he's probably played on at least three or four Ryder Cup teams. Five. Oh shit. Shit. Five and been the assistant captain for two of them. Okay, yeah. I would honestly equate him a lot to like a Steve Stricker type. Um, Stricker's a Wisconsin guy. Zach's a, an Iowa guy. Um, I would say Stricker's probably a little bit more relevant coming out of college and making his way onto the tour. Zach had a little tougher route. One of their biggest commonalities is they both have like 10 hairs on the top of their head and neither of them will shave it. Like, holy fuck. If you see Zach Johnson's lettuce or lack thereof, it is like, it's like barren soil up top, lettuce on the sides and like two little sprouts right in front. And he won't take it home. And if you don't know what take it home means, that means shave your head because some, it needs to be done. Um, we're Spencer and I are going to do it eventually. It's, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. If so it's when. 2023 Ryder Cup is at Marco Simone Golf Club, Golf and Country Club so you, in Rome. I don't, I don't... Did you... You think it's Simone? S-I-M-O-N-E. Simone. Like Andre Simone. Marco Simone. Oh, yeah. We may have to check out with Dre what's going on here. Maybe he's got some golf Maybe lineage some we didn't know about. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I really do like that for Zach Johnson. He's a an iconic just corn-fed boy from Iowa. Well, so here's a tweet from Kyle Porter, CBS Today. Uh, So the Americans haven't won a Ryder Cup on U.S. soil in over 30 years. So since either of us have been alive, they've only won on on, uh, United States soil. So if the U.S. wins the Ryder Cup in 2023, the list of golfers, let's see if you can guess this. This is trivia, trivia game, trivia game number two. Read the the question again. The list of golfers who will have won at Augusta one at the old course and successfully captain a winning Ryder Cup team. List those golfers. Zach Johnson will join that group. There's three others. Jeez. Zach Johnson will join that group if the USA wins the Ryder Cup in Rome in 2023. Dude, that's that's a lot, man. Um, uh, I don't want to just leave this as dead air, but I really... Um, just think of really good players. Like I'll just give you that hint. Like they're all really good players. They're not like scrubs. Jack Nicholas. Yep. That's okay. One. Um, I want to say Tom Watson for some reason. Did he? No, never? he did not. Okay. Um, Arnold. No. Arnie Palmy. Uh, Sam Snead. Yep. Okay. So Jack Nicholas, Sam Snead, and one other. Modern day, not no, modern. Very old. Very. <laughs> As old as, uh, pretty much as old as he gets, I would say, for being as good as he was. Um, fucking Ben Hogan? No. Say, uh. Well, you uh, had it. You said it. You sevied it. Sevy? Oh, okay. I was thinking U.S. guys. I I just kind of, you, you bit too early on that, because I was going to say, um, Byron Nelson. Oh, okay. But Sevy by Asteros, that's badass. Yeah. Um iconic Ryder Cupper and major champion RIP but wow that that is actually pretty well and the tough thing is too is the there's been plenty of other guys that have done that um won the masters won a british but not at St Andrews so that is kind of the tough thing is winning at St Andrews really narrows down that that every little group seven to 8 years of, yeah, of, of in the rotation that that's like 
when somebody's like, oh, nobody's ever had an NBA game with 28 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, 18 minutes on the bench, three waters of three cups of water. <laughs> That's actually three really cups good. of water drank. Like yeah. that was some random shit. So right. don't hold that over me. But. No, but that was good. You had, you had a few of those. So okay. well done. But yeah, congrats to Zach Johnson. Uh, be cool to see him. Hopefully the USA can next year take that 30 year schneid and cut it and, and win some, uh, yeah. win the Ryder cup on European soil because we're, you know, we've, we beat the shit out of them here at, in Wisconsin. So now let's take it over to Rome. The thro- slaughter by the water. And, and take another dub. I was going to say throttle. I don't know where I was going with that. All right, before we get into a little quick preview of the Honda Classic, getting back into our fairway or four for this week, Mitchell, what do you have for us in fairway or four? Um, well, so I was scrolling Twitter earlier and something came across my timeline and I actually think we talked about this, but there's a well a while back, but there's a blockbuster trade in the NBA. It was um, James Harden basically for Ben Simmons. Harden didn't seem very happy, shockingly enough, six months after he exclaimed his love for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, he's out in Brooklyn, and Ben Simmons, who was basically holding out, I don't really know that whole thing. Um, he was holding out. He can't, like, throw a pee in the ocean said he was spotted at uh, nets practice today working with Kyle Corver, one of the all time great shooters. And there was a video and he was literally shooting like two footers. They it's like elementary school shit. Like Kyle Corver's planted him like inside of the circle below the hoop. He's like, okay, shoot a hundred of these. So here's my fairway or four. And we've, we've also discussed We've had a Ben Simmons fairway or four, just so you know. We no, I know, but here this is even better. Could you beat Ben Simmons in a shooting competition? Oh, that's a good question. Like right? a three point shooting competition? I think just overall, like say it's layup, free throw, three pointer. I would say uh, layup. He's probably got me as much as I've got him. Free throw. I think we're about even, but three pointer, dude. I honestly believe I could beat him in a shooting competition. Okay, no, and that's... I honestly do. (laughs) And that's asinine. Um, You definitely couldn't, but I I think it's a a question worth bringing up because you're just dumb enough to say that you could. All right, well, I love that. (laughs) Okay. You baited the hook. I I love that. You fucking caught me. Well, realistically, bro, we've talked about this. Like, Dwight Howard, even when he was shooting 50% from the free throw line during his career, you see him in practice... Like if you, this is just a casual shooting contest between him and you, what you really think you could beat him? I don't know. Just the shot looks so bad. On I know team. it's absolute trash, but I bet he makes some in practice. That's the thing. Yeah. Even though he's tragic in the game, I bet he makes some in practice. So I thought that was just worth something, worth asking. You know, whatever. All right, and my fairway four is gonna gonna kind of relate into my wedding here this week because oh, I found something. I found something out that apparently was just the most asinine thing I've ever said. The other day, my face was a little dry, and I put on body lotion onto my face. You and, don't do that. Oh, God. you're Okay, well, I know where this shit's going, but all right. So real quick, is, is face lotion and body lotion... Except is body lotion acceptable to put on your face? No. Clearly, we have... Um, I learned that from a female. Okay. Um, yes, because... 
the body lotion is way too thick. It like closes all your pores. And oh like, god, this is cu- so fucking sounds just like the argument c- I had two nights ago with Kylie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm definitely on her side because I have uh, my own face lotion at home that I like to apply. <laughs> Especially before long days in the sun, it's got SPF 15. Okay, keep me looking we're like done. Uh, we're done. Keep me looking like a young man. All right, we're done. We're done. All right, moving on. You're done. Last uh, last segment of the pod this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the Honda Classic. Uh, fun tournament, first of all, for my reason. One of my reasons is it's the winner of the last the last ten years. The high, the lowest to par winner has been twelve under. Usually around eight, ten, twelve. It's yeah. more fun to watch, in my opinion. And what they have think? the they have the bear trap, which is unanimously one of the toughest stretches on the PGA Tour. I think it's like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, or something like that. But two really, really tough par threes, and then a, a tough, I want to say a four sandwich in between. Yeah, I think it's three, four, three. But those two par threes are treacherous. So already a very tough course at Jack Nicklaus's the bear trap. They. Uh, PGA National, of course, we're making the Florida swing, as we talked about a little earlier. Uh, we're into the Florida portion of the PGA Tour before we get to the players. Except, Well, that's still Florida portion, but before we get to more majors or any bigger tournaments, uh, Valspar's coming up here shortly, too. But uh, I've heard, I did read that they are allowing the rough to grow to three inches this week instead of two. No wonder two. nobody's playing. So no zero and as real to real quick comment zero. sorry real quick fun fact I did qualify for a tournament that would have been played at PJ National I would have played the bear trap I was like eighteen and it would have gone really poorly but I really I still wish I would have done it um, I could not afford it was, <laughs> could it was, not afford I qualified I just couldn't afford to go so uh, just another fun fact just my own little tire pump but go on but yeah so they've allowed the, the ref to grow to three inches instead of the normal two so maybe do we see a winner in the single digits this week we've we'll, talked about this before but an inch is a lot so inches a lot yes two two versus three wow three inches can't believe it but yeah uh making that golf course any harder than it already is is dumb to me i don't necessarily agree with that i don't know what what they're trying to accomplish. It's already one of the toughest stops on tour. The wind is always blowing out there. It is not an easy golf course by any means. It's not a pushover. So I don't know whose idea it was to make it harder, but it turns out that's what they're doing. So I, that's what they're doing. And that's why all the good players won't zero of top zero of the top (laughs) 10 in the, in the world official world golf ranking are playing in this tournament. Still going to be fun because it's a great golf course, and I will get into my DraftKings pick of the week. Um, so, Big Bad Energy, DraftKings, go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app using that promo code DNVR. First of all, my long shot's going to be Christian Bazudenhoit. He is plus 5,000 just in our long shot range. Um, he's had a, a fair amount of success here, and like I said, with it being a non-stacked field we had three straight first-time winners until Joaquin Neiman won last week I feel really good about Bazudenhoit maybe coming from behind the pack and and winning this tournament my top 10 is going to be Mito Pereira the Chilean so he's going to be inspired from his fellow Chilean um, 
Joe Joaquin Neiman's win last week. Joe Kim. Uh, he is plus 350 to top 10. And my winner this week is going to be Billy Horschel playing some really good golf right now. Um, he's he like, was actually going to be, he was right up there with one of my tops to win it. So he is plus 1800. I believe he's the third or fourth favorite. Um, not taking the favorite this week, but I am going to take Billy Horschel. Hopefully he can hold off guys like Daniel Berger, but had a really good year and hasn't won as far as this last season goes. So uh, I'm going to take Billy Horschel plus 1800. Okay. Um, I like those picks. Honestly, not too bad. Uh, so my winner or let's go top 10 this week. I'm going Ian Poulter. He's a Florida guy, plus 330. Uh, Florida, no, I was about to say Florida native. He's from England, but he's lived in Florida for his, basically his whole professional career. And it looks like he's playing some pretty good golf right now. Uh, the Saudi Golf League is no longer a thing, so he can't just take a check and cash it in. So I am going to take him to top 10, plus 330. I like that pick. Uh, my long shot is going to be Cameron Young, the man we were just talking about earlier, who played really well these last few weeks. He's on the come up. He, I think he's just outside the top 25 at Waste Management, finished second last week. So plus 5,500 this week is a long shot. He's playing great golf, somewhat of a weak field. So I could see him doing that. And then my winner for the week is going to be Lou Eustazen. The dude puts on a ball striking clinic every single week. He's out there. And I really think if he can roll a few in, he's going to be the man to beat. So I like Lou Eustazen plus 1,600. Bang, bang. Log on to that DraftKings Sportsbook. Put those bets in. We are about to hit a winner. I feel it. I feel it coming this week at uh, PGA National for the Honda Classic. Hopefully you're not driving out there driving a Honda. Just kidding. Love the Hondas. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. We appreciate you guys all tuning in. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Big Drive Energy. Follow us on Instagram now. We want to get that Instagram boosted up. We're posting our TikToks on there at Big Drive Energy Pod. Of course, always follow us on TikTok as well at Big Drive Energy. Appreciate you guys. Tell a friend. Tell seven. Um, and tune in next week when we recap the Honda Classic. And we're going to do next week, we're going to do a little episode about since it's so cold, it kind of inspired us of some drills and stuff you can do if you're living in a cold weather state, you're not golfing right now, some stuff you can do to keep up on your game. So until then, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. We are out. Peace. Peace.